Hello, and welcome to Into the Aether. It's a low-key video game podcast, and my name is Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. I've got a big announcement. Oh, shit. All right. Yeah, coming in hot. What is it? This is actually a, a little-known fact. We actually record in front of a live studio audience, but we <laughs> have AJ mute it every week just yeah. to kind of add to the realism and the low-key factor. So, AJ, unmute the real live studio audience for, to get some organic applause for this <laughs> this moment for me, if you don't mind. Hello, live studio audience. Uh, I'm happy to announce that I, Stephen Paul Hilger, Aries Sun, Libra Rising, Universal Donor, have gotten a PS5. The PlayStation Sony 5. Unbelievable. I have it. Uh, Unbelievable. Thank you. thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Oh, my God. Roses. Real roses for me. <laughs> Achoo. <laughs> I love that you came to my apartment and played Asher's Playroom all the way through in one sitting, and you were immediately like, this worked. This worked on me. <laughs> It's like when I'm scrolling through Twitter and I see an ad for Domino's and I'm like, I really hate that this actually makes me consider getting Domino's Yeah, tonight. yeah, exactly. Ash's Playroom kind of poured a kind of like an aloe vera type substance <laughs> over my brain. And then I was like, I need this immediately. Yeah. Um, to be fair to you, yeah. though. I think this week, this is the week, the week that we're recording. Yeah, the, three different games that you were interested in picking up a PS5 for all came out at once. Um, yeah, and you've been saying that you wanted to get a PS5 to play these games for like ever, like since they announced the PS5 and these games were announced. So like it was gonna happen soon. Yeah, but I think the speed at which it happened and the way in which it happened was very was very. I think I made a pact with Sony, kind of like a warlock does, to get their powers because <laughs> I. So can I tell you how I got it? Yeah, please. I mean, how I got it is interesting. I went to uh, Walmart.com and they had, you know, a, a, a restock suddenly. Meet the Waltons. Um, meet the... <laughs> God. <laughs> but um, Walmart had a restock and I was like, you know what? I, I You know, they were selling them for, for more than they would normally sell for. But I was like, I don't see this getting any easier this year. You know, like I don't think it's going to like suddenly be easy to get a PS5. I'm in a position, thankfully, where I can like do that. And, you know, the price like, well, a lot isn't going to like ruin me if I if I just take a risk here. So I did it. Uh, and I was like, oh, my God, that felt way too easy. And of course it was. I immediately get an email that's like, oops, that was a fake uh, PS5. Uh, it was canceled. <laughs> and I was like, huh, OK. But the stock was still there and the reviews are very high. You know, the, I guess uh, I imagine Walmart does something where there are like third party vendors selling this. Yeah, yeah. Walmart wherever. has turned its website into like an Amazon style thing where kind of anyone can sell whatever. But there were like thousands of reviews saying like this is real. It's not like a box full of spaghetti. Like you'll be fine. <laughs> Which is what I was worried about. I also mysteriously got mailed like a bunch of baby wipes such a long ago. So I'm like, who's like pranking me? Yeah, you're like on edge. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to mail. <laughs> When it comes to mail, yeah. Anyway, I tried again. Uh, I was like, you know what? It's still in stock. It seems <laughs> so, to sorry, be legit. You remember when we tried to mail you a birthday present and the delivery oh, picture was just, just a box in an alleyway <laughs> that wasn't even your building? Will, our good friend Will, who, who was with us on our Mother 3 episode, we love him. He's great. Uh, great musician, great writer, great friend. He was like, go out, look outside, wink face. And I did. And I'm like, there's nothing here. And he was like, oh, shit. Well, it says your gift arrived. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, that... I have things sent to like an office down the street because at my apartment mail gets stolen constantly for some reason. So he's like, oh, okay, well, this is not as you know eventful as I wanted it to be, but maybe walk down the street and then see the gift. And I go there and I call the place and they're like, there's nothing here for you. So I'm like, what happened? So like an hour later, we find out, we see the like tracking photo and someone just tossed it like in a bush. Uh, <laughs> 
It, it looked like it looked like somebody invented the digital camera and was like, this is going to be the first picture I take. And it was just a package in a bush in an alleyway. <laughs> yeah. But I eventually got it and I loved it. It was a Ryuji figurine, yeah. uh, which was very cool. Thank you all for getting me that. You know who you are. Wink. Anyway, that's why I'm on edge with packages. Uh, that, in addition to the weird baby wipes that were sent to me, a lot of weird stuff's going on, Mercury and retrograde, you know, the whole deal. <laughs> so I tried again, and it went through, and I'm like waiting for the email that's like, oops, this is actually uh, Monsanto stock, sorry. But nothing happened, it was good. And then, days later, I noticed the tracking hadn't been updated, and I checked the order details, and the billing address was wrong. <laughs> The checkout page on walmart.com is a little bit confusing, and I wasn't able to separate the shipping address from the billing address. So I'm like, okay, let me fix this. Normally, on most sites that aren't walmart.com, you can edit your billing address before the order has arrived, and it usually will work out. The transaction will process. You'll be good. Walmart.com is like, we're going to take it one step further. If you edit the billing address, you're going to order another PS5. <laughs> so <laughs> I suddenly now came to the possession of two PS5s. Um, in a world where everyone is waiting in line to get one, I deal with the devil, have now acquired two um, at this <laughs> office that is like five blocks down the street from my apartment. So they arrive right before the office closes, like literally minutes before. I run down, I get them, and then I realize that I have to carry these back. So like Death Stranding, Sam Porter Bridges, I have to <laughs> carry two PS5s back to my apartment. Yeah, I could have called a lift, but you know, whatever. I didn't. Uh, so I carried them back. I felt the weight of both PS5s. I sold one to a close friend of mine. Very happy it wasn't spaghetti. It's working. He's happy. And I set up mine and it's great. It, it's all real. It's a real PS5. It says real PS5 in, in like Sharpie <laughs> on the side of it. So you got to trust that. And uh, it, like you said, all, all, all that aside, it's all set up. I transferred everything from my PS4 and uh, it's really cool. I really, really love having one even though it took a lot for me physically and emotionally and financially yeah so. I, i'm really glad that it worked out for you the the constant stream of texts from you updating aj and i on what was going on with the ps5s was like a lot to handle because i i was convinced that it wasn't going to work out for a little while in what sense after the first one got canceled i was like yeah Walmart is lying to you. The Waltons are notorious for being horrible. I, I'm, I'm glad it worked out. I'm glad you got a PS5. I'm glad it happened so quickly. And I'm glad it happened this week specifically. Yeah, this week is fucked up for the PS5 in a good way. It really is. Yeah, I mean, look, you, you and I have spent a great deal of time. Uh, I guess me specifically has spent a great deal of time like dunking on Sony's strategy this generation and the PlayStation 5 like in general. You know, I think I think it's a great piece of hardware. I, ju I just think the strategy of like we're just going to do exactly what we did during the PS4 era again is like not going to work out for them in the long run. It's like a very short-sighted right. strategy. Especially um, given Microsoft's new announcement of like having like you called this having like a sort of Roku-esque device that just has Game Pass on it. Like that is such a great way to have this accessible to everyone. Yeah, and like, I'm sure it's going to be like 40 or 50 bucks. I'm sure it's going to come with like three months of Game Pass built into it. You know, it's like you don't even have to like pay for the subscription up front. Like it's going to be the like lowest barrier to entry to play AAA like next generation yeah, games. And that, and that just seems like, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that that's like definitively the future or like, you know, should be. But I just think it's way more accessible financially to like have games be the same kind of streamable service as TV or movies and then whether or not you want the like high-end 
way to play them or whether or not you just want to play them like on whatever is the most accessible option. Yeah. But that's up to you. That way you don't have to like fork over $400 every five years for the new box. Exactly. Like it's like games are just existing and you can play them on a variety of platforms based on what you want from it. Yeah. There was some stuff in there too about like it's going to be available on like browsers. So you could just like open up a browser on your computer and play stuff through xCloud and Game Pass and like it's going to keep your saves. So like it'll just update your saves wherever you're playing. Like, it all just seems like, I don't know, it it seems like they're lowering that barrier as low as it could possibly go, which I'm very happy with. You don't have to spend $1,000 and carry them back. Exactly. You don't have to go through the whole shit that you just went through. And then on top of that, pay $70 for each and every game, which is, that's the Sony model right now. It's like $500 up front, $70 per video game. Um, It's just like wild to me. That said, the the stuff that's out on the PS5, like as of this week, was finally like, I think that there's enough of a library where like if you really, really want it, like now is probably a good time to try and pick one up. Also, we're just to be clear, we're recording this in the middle of E3 weekend. So like it's going to be really difficult to get a PS5 after this, especially after like whatever announcements come for the PS5. Sony doesn't have an event that we know of yet. I'm sure it'll come later in the summer, but like I'm sure when that happens, it's going to be much more difficult to get a PS5. So like if you're interested in getting one this year, I would look like now. <laughs> I would look like around now specifically. That's kind of what my logic was. That's yeah. why I, I did the weird farce that I did. Yeah. But anyway, this week was fucked up. Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart came out. The Yuffie uh, chapter, FF7 Intermission that is a part of ff7 remake intergrade <laughs> came out uh so that was a free ps5 update for the ps4 version and then uh for 20 dollars, there's a like dlc chapter that's all about yuffie that we'll talk about at the end of the episode i have finished it so Amazing. it'll be spoiler free but i can talk about the whole experience that's great I'm, exci- I'm excited to hear more about it because i i spent a lot more time playing ratchet and clank than anything else <laughs> uh, i want to be very clear i i bought like six to eight video games in the past like week and there's just so much like we're just not going to be able to talk about all of it yeah uh, this there's week. some stuff that we planned on talking about last week when we were in person but we were short on time so yeah there, there's a lot like the next few weeks for us we'll be recording the patron only episode that's all about e3 and summer games fest there's also our season four premiere which is about the game boy events which we uh revealed last week and then i think that those are the two immediate things but then we have the bonus at the end of the month so like we will probably bring up all the stuff we like planned on doing in the weeks ahead yeah so you know you'll get like a little bit of chill in between like big events yeah uh, which will be fun honestly and i look uh, later today at least the time of this recording is the microsoft and bethesda conference as oh, well right. yeah. which i'm like convinced there's going to be something huge on game pass like, that's the big today. wild card yeah, yeah. that 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 because i'm pretty confident nintendo's will be good like i have an optimistic feeling about yeah i feel the nintendo same their last it's a long presentation and like we don't really know anything i mean <laughs> I, I know i know that there are like big rumors but like nintendo hasn't really released a lot this year other than like the plans for the pokemon games right so i imagine there will be something of interest there uh yesterday was like wildly like <laughs> nauseating i want to say yeah yeah we'll talk about it in the bonus episode <laughs> uh, you, you know us we're not ones to be like jaded or cynical but like i get that way watching e3 like yeah. i can only watch so many people say like in this game you can level up before i like turn into cicada skin <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i we there's a patented brand for this show and i think um e3 or at least the the patron bonus episode about e3 is gonna allow us to like 
kind of shed that for at least a couple hours while we talk about that <laughs> stuff. So uh, if you want to, if you want to hear that, I guess uh, back to Patreon. It'll be fun. The yeah. episodes are always fun because they're, they're structured in a way that lets us just sort of be silly. Yeah. Shit. There's, there's some cool stuff, but I think uh, <laughs> Summer Games Fest was great, though. I had a great time with Summer that Games event, Fest to be was honest. Great. I actually, yeah, I, I had a really, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I mean, they, they looked at with like the announcements of Elden Ring and other things. Yeah. So. Jeff's, Jeff's stuff gets better every year. He gets better at hosting and like putting on those events every year. Um, yeah. The, the Game Awards get better every year and Summer Games Fest is the second year, like is better than it was last year already. Uh, definitely. So, definitely yeah. better than it was last year. Yeah. Anyway, you want to talk about Ratchet and Clank? Yeah, man. I am 67% of the way through what? that game at this point. <laughs> That's usually my thing. Yeah. I'm the one who gets that far overnight. All right. Challenge uh, accepted. Yeah, I, I have played so much. I was up so late. I got up early again and played more of it this morning. I'm like, I'm so into it. Just like quick background, I guess. For me, I loved yeah. the Ratchet and Clank games like growing up on the PS2. Like I played all of the entries on the PS2 and then completely fell off the franchise. I honestly, until you and I were talking about it the other day, didn't even realize how many PS3 games they had made because I just didn't have a PS3 until like the end of that life cycle. Uh, yeah. So just like missed out on all of those. Didn't even realize that was a thing. There's also like, I think a Vita spinoff and a couple PSP spinoffs that I didn't play either. But the PS2 era of Ratchet and Clank, one, two, three, and then I think there was like an arena only one called Deadlocked. Um, that stuff I like loved, loved, like 100% complete, like every one of those games. And then went back and played the remake for the PlayStation 4 and loved that as well. So like this was like probably my most anticipated game for the PS5, if I'm being totally honest. In this first year of the PS5, this is the game that I was most looking forward to. This is the reason I wanted to get one in the first place. And uh, it rips. It's so good. It is like there will be people at the end of the year who will say that this is the best game of the year. And that is like the most valid opinion. It is like so, so good. It is beyond my expectations of what I had hoped. Even. Yeah, I, I get my, my experience is quicker, which again is, is, is a first for me. Because usually <laughs> I'm like, it all started when I was seven and I fell into a hole. But bats, uh, bats everywhere. Bats, bats. <laughs> <laughs> then I found a copy of Final Fantasy IX. Anyway, um, <laughs> Ratchet and Clank was actually a series I somehow missed. I, I, which is weird because it's so up my alley. Like I love the kind of more like cartoony Sony franchises. Yeah. Um, like I loved Crash back in the day. Never got into Jack and Daxter, but I always admired Ratchet and Clank from afar because I. It was the game that all my friends had. So mm -hmm. I feel like whenever I was over their house, I would watch them play it. So technically, this is my first Ratchet and Clank game, but I have like wild a a passing. Acquaintance yeah. knowledge of the series. Were you a Sly Cooper fan? Just out of curiosity, while we're going down that rabbit hole again from afar. I, mm. I don't know what it was. I just missed a lot of. The, I think it's because like I had uh, growing up at my dad's house, we had PlayStation. And at my mom's house, we had Nintendo. And, like, I just associated those kind of games with the Nintendo. So, like, okay, that's the Nintendo house. And it's at Sony house, we're going to have, like, Resident Evil and Final Fantasy. Wow. You know, it's the, it's the Very more different mature. Vibes. The mature house. Yeah, um, totally. Not that I, I'm not qualifying Sony or my parents. This is getting <laughs> strange. Um, but anyway, uh, this is my first Ratchet <laughs> & Clank game. And, yeah, so I'll say this about Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart. Like, the, the phrase that I think sums up my thoughts the most, which sounds corny, but it really is, like, unbelievable. That's, like, what I keep thinking as I play it. Mm. I don't think since Mario 64 and Wii Sports 
and arguably Astro's Playroom, has there been a game that is like so, you know, in, in a launch of a system, you know, I'm counting this in the relative launch window of the PS5 because like it's still early on. Yeah, Sony considers this a launch window still. Right. There, there are games that come out for a system that like really, really showcase what that system is capable of. And not only that, but also like what the future of games could look like and feel like. Yeah. Mario 64, the first 3D Mario, one of the first 3D platformers, like that game opening with that like camera shot mm-hmm. and the idea that you can go in any direction. Given I was seven when that came out, but that was like a huge deal. It was a dimensional improvement. Yeah. And even though that game, you know, hasn't held up as well as other mario games like it's still miraculous that they got it so right the first time totally and that they so heavily built that game around the idea that like you are in an open 3d environment you're you are now parkouring in this environment over just running left to right huge huge deal and still is um we sports you know not quite as impactful but like for a system that was all about motion controls that's still like one of the best games for using motion controls absolutely you know, it, it really showcased what you could do both kind of for better and for worse it's like okay tennis works great boxing is a nightmare like we now know what we can do with the Wii. thank you esports <laughs> I still play the shit out of boxing because it was hilarious, but uh, you know, tennis was the one, um, and and bowling probably. And now with Ratchet and Clank, you know, we, we mentioned when we talked about Astro's Playroom last week that like there are moments of Astro's Playroom where you can tell that like, oh, this is what that game is gonna feel like. You know, mm-hmm. you get a bow, and immediately it's like this is gonna be Horizon Zero Dawn. You get like the Gatling gun uh, that shoots like I don't know, like almost like, like tennis balls, tennis balls, uh, and it's like this is what Ratchet and Clank will feel like. The the trigger kind of like gives you feedback and like vibrates as they go out. Yeah. What's really incredible about Ratchet and Clank is that like the, the game itself, for those who don't know, is a third person shooter action platformer. And the series is known for having weapons that are like very goofy. So, you know, it's not just like shotgun, pistol, whatever. Like you'll have weapons that are just throwing like a mushroom named Mr. Fungi that like talks at enemies to distract them. Yeah. Uh, You'll have other ones that are like, I actually don't even want to spoil them because they're so fun to discover. But like they're very creative and very like playful in their interpretation of what weapons can be, which I think keeps the game at like a very kind of PG rating. Totally. Yeah. But what's really cool is like all the weapons are designed in a way where like the the triggers have a lot of feedback and it's like weapons will do different things sometimes if you're like pressing on the trigger versus pulling it all the way down, which when you hear that, it sounds like it's going to be tricky and you're going to mess up and like do things by accident, but it's so well done. Like it's such a new concept to me that has become second nature like immediately to yeah. like it turns both of the triggers into into like essentially two buttons instead of just one. So it kind Kind of right. feels like you have three triggers now and and just the idea of like okay like one the big shotgun if i like tap it i shoot once if i hold all the way down i shoot twice like, i can imagine a lot of shooters are going to take this and just run with it like yeah, absolutely there's so yeah. much potential with just that idea so mechanically the game is amazing and i mean even though i didn't have the same history with this franchise i remember at the first ps5 event where they just showcased like that the ps5 was a thing and, and what games are coming out for it this looked the most impressive you know yeah. this looked like even though it's not going for realism like this game looks beautiful and playing it it's 
it really does feel like this is i think the common refrain is like this is like the first true ps5 game and it really does feel that way not to discount other games that have come out that have been incredible but in terms of like utilizing the hardware this is like you're playing into the spider-verse levels of like animation you know or like choose your (laughs) pixar movie and the thing that's like really blowing me away is that I, I love this game's story. You know, having no prior knowledge of the series, just knowing that the characters existed, like the writing and and the cinematography, even like the way that sh- scenes are edited and what's in focus, it's so beautiful. I'm like constantly tearing up the whole time. I I like immediately love the cast. The new character Rivet, I think, really stands out. Um, she's like just immediately great, and uh, her, you know, without I won't spoil the story, but basically it involves the cast getting thrown into another dimension where the villain always wins and it opens with all the characters kind of examining their role in the universe you know ratchet and clank are like are we has-beens like we're going to the celebration for us yeah. saving the world but we haven't saved the world since the ps3 and like, even then no one played <laughs> like very self-aware yeah. in a way that doesn't feel like annoying but like they're they're recognizing like the state of the series and actually internalizing that as characters which i think yeah. makes it feel authentic and the villain uh who who's incredible, Dr. Nefarious, uh, he is like just frustrated at losing. Like, there's a part where he's like, do you think you can just show up and never give up and I'll lose? And they're like, yeah, actually, that's what that's we do That's actually what time. happens every yeah. time, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the fact that they go to a dimension where he always wins, and by, you know, by result of that, I didn't even make this connection until I read the compendium about all the characters, which shows how much I'm enjoying the story. But with Rivet, you know, she's the dimensional parallel to Ratchet. Um, she's the last surviving Lombax. Is that Lombax, what called? yeah. That's been like an interesting through line throughout the entirety of the franchise has been like Ratchet is the last Lombax and he's looking for more. Right. Um, but when presented with the option to like use a gun that lets you transport through dimensions and like, okay, you're actually going to go find a new Lombax now. He's like hesitant about it, which is kind of right. what the story which is, is about. I think really yeah. strong writing that he would like not be ready for that almost. Yes. You know, yes. Clank makes a gun called the dimensionator and he's like you're my friend i want to give you the ability it's like really sweet you know like they're really nice their friendship is really heartfelt but anyway in the dimension where nefarious always wins rivet always loses but she never gives up which is like what kind of defines her character yeah and like the way she's introduced i mean the game is like very silly and very lighthearted, but like there there are high stakes and there are scenes that really show like the negative state of the world like you know they're in this sort of like it reminds me a lot of samurai jack where they go Mm. to the future where the villain is one and it's like kind of this dystopian future city where like everyone lives in fear and one of the opening scenes i mean i think it actually is the opening scene is where rivet is like infiltrating the crowd and stealing a piece of information and then like here's the cry of like an innocent civilian about to be attacked by like like evil doctor and fairies robots yeah who are yeah they're essentially cops yeah right and Rivet like stops what she's doing to save her and like gives her like, here, take my helmet. You'll get to where you need. And the person's like, what? Like, thank you. You've... And I and I read that as that's why she always loses because she's so selfless and mm. like she will fail the mission to help someone else, um, which yeah. is like really beautiful. And I, I think her character and her like initial distrust of like Clank and, and you know, them learning about the other universe and like uh, having that as an opportunity to like reflect on themselves. Like it's very simple but it's so effective and like i don't know who the fuck anyone is and i'm like in love with them immediately 
<laughs> also fucked up my life that the same voice actor who's Ratchet played Titus, which you can kind of hear once you know that. Yeah. He does a great job. And uh, Commander Shepard, Fem Shep, is uh, Rivet. Rivet. Yeah. I mean, she's an incredible voice actor. I mean, Jennifer Hale, I believe. She does a great job. And uh, I don't know, man. I just like am so smitten by the plot. And on top of that, there are really fun side quests to do. Like once you get like a little bit into the plot, there's like a little bit of a loosening of, of like, I guess, sort of the linear structure of the game where you can go to other planets via rivet ship and like do certain things. Like as soon as I met the weird like minion aliens that sound like they're from Fargo, I'm like, I'm going to spend as much time with them as possible. And, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, hey, find the Zerp stones. You know, if I didn't have to work, I'd be finding the Zerp stones myself. And like, <laughs> I've been just collecting Zerp stones for like hours <laughs> and they they keep saying like, like if you get all the zerp stones you can get another prize and they keep making the prize like cooler and cooler i'm like i'm stuck here yeah. you got me yeah this this is like this is the quintessential ratchet and clank experience what you're describing here is like yeah es- essentially the way these games have always worked is like there's some kind of opening inciting event plot wise and then immediately it sends ratchet and clank out to all these different planets and each planet has like a mainline story mission to do that will allow you to unlock the next planet alternatively there are like five or six different like side quests and like collectathon missions that all act completely differently it's never the same thing really so like this instance that you're describing it's like literally one of the first planets that you go to and there's like a sad dragon that needs to eat zerp stones and, and they just give you all of these methods to go find these zerp stones which essentially is like i'm gonna ride a dragon i'm gonna ride this like weird bug that's kind of just like a car essentially yeah um, and uh and, and go find all these things in like this like weird kind of swamp and that is like just one of you know the 10 planets that you're going to go check out each planet has that much kind of uh loose explorability has its own version of a -a collect-a-thon i just did one that involved like me going around and uh finding all of these like these shrines i don't want to say what they what they do because i think you'll like it story-wise but you have to go and find all these shrines and the shrines can only be accessed if you defeat all the enemies around them so like you have these arena battles like 15 times in a row and this is just like a side thing you don't need to do it but you know why not um and kind of a similar situation where you get like really fun unlocks as you continue to do it um but like some of the shrines are like on the back of robots that like fly around so you need to like zip around and try and catch up with them like just really really smart shit that will prevent you from progressing the story because you're just so interested in whatever it is like even if you're not a zerp stones guy you might be a shrines guy on the next planet right Um, there's also like a gladiator arena that i found really fun um that like i spent a lot of time in it's so like they have found every corner like any opportunity where the game could have just been like a cutscene or like a quick moment they're like how do we make this as fun as possible yes you know for lack of a better phrase like there's a moment where ratchet gets like a device that like hacks into a computer and rather than just like having that play out in 10 seconds you play as the little robot like navigating the you know inner circuits of this thing they have a name and a personality their name is glitch yeah. they're very cute and they kind of like they go around uh this like in- internal like computer code and literally shoot viruses with a gun and it yeah. is so fun it's amazing and she's like kind of insecure in her role in it and like commenting on what she thinks about ratchet but when ratchet's talking to her she's just a emoji faces yeah it's just it's just beautiful i mean i i think that 
with this show, you know, our, our goal is to celebrate games we love. And like, I'm just so like on top of that, we're not beholden to the release schedule, as we always say. But like, it's really exciting to be able to like share our joy and our time with this game, like as it comes out, because it feels like a really big deal. Like, I feel like this yeah. is going to be kind of a landmark game for a while and is so the reason to get a PS5. Like, this is something that I think anybody could enjoy. Like, it's very kid friendly, um, but it's like not dumbed down either story wise. Like, yeah. it's got a really heartfelt cast like it's it's great i just love it there's no interesting take really it's just like a great time and uh another thing too that i i i hope is true and i hate that i had to qualify that because I'd, I'd rather just be able to believe it but oh yes yeah there have been a number of people who worked on the game that have kind of seemingly unprompted been like this game involved no crunch at all like yeah and and i really i i trust that you know and i trust that that is possible, you know, more, more than whether or not that was the case with this game. I do believe that that should be the case that you can make a great game like this and not ruin people's lives. Yeah, um, right. But honestly, I, the reason I, I'd like to believe it is because there's just so much like joy in this game. It's one of those things where you could tell people who worked on it had a blast making it. Like, yes. There is so much life in this game that like every corner of it is like someone was proud to work on that part of it. Yeah. And that's what the other ones have felt like, too. I mean, even even going as far back, I think, as the first one, if I if I'm not mistaken, there there's always been a hidden uh, section of the game called the Insomniac Museum, where uh, if you like glitch through a level and like do some stuff, you end up in this place that is literally just like all of the character models all of the like different like beta tests of like different activities and different like traversal mechanics and stuff. And you get to go try all of it out in this almost like it feels like a Pixar studio in a way when you're walking through it. But like it, it just allows them to highlight all of the work that went into making the game. And you can tell that they're really proud of it like that. That has existed in every Ratchet and Clank game and has kind of become a weird tradition. I, I don't know if there's one in this game. I sure hope there is. I don't know if they're still doing that, but you can you can really feel that you can feel that when you play the game. I mean, the the little character animations, that place that you were just talking about where uh, there's like an arena, you access the arena via just like this kind of like bar in the middle of space. And I just spent like, I don't know, 20 minutes like walking around, just like looking at the character animations of all the different aliens, like hanging out and having conversations in this bar. It was so, so nice. It was so interesting to just like sit there and look and see like each of these models has been like handcrafted by a person to interact with this other alien model. The amount of love in like every square foot of this game is like really apparent. And and as you get further into the game, it just like kind of becomes more and more shocking what they're able to pull off. Um, I'm, I'm like pretty far into the game, as I mentioned at this point. I've seen a lot of the planets um, and they all kind of uh, they, they, they all kind of like hop around almost different genres in a way. You know, it's always the same gameplay, but like they'll unlock a certain ability. So like there's one that's like open world adjacent and you get these boots that, allow, that are like rocket boots, essentially, that allow you to like very, very, very quickly like cover a lot of ground. That's like really great. There's another uh, planet that I just did that like almost felt like Alien Isolation Metroid adjacent, you know, and it kind of felt like a love letter to that. There's another one that I, I don't want to say too much about that involves like hitting these crystals that allow you to teleport through dimensions instantaneously which you know that's like one of the reasons is on the ps5 is because like you need that special hard drive to be able to do things like that but it essentially allows you to like load between like you know ratchet's dimension where this place is like completely bombed out like looks like shit like something has clearly gone wrong and then hit to another dimension where like everything is fine and that horrible thing didn't happen and and you know the whole level is just puzzle solving by smacking this like crystal that allows you to I transport that. dimensions that kind of stuff is so smart at the titanfall level 
Oh, Titanfall, but also in Skyward Sword, actually, there's a whole dungeon that's yes. about like teleporting parts of the world to the past where it was like a bountiful garden. Yeah. That's really cool. I love when games do that. Yeah. I was going to say that Titanfall level where you have the like uh, the, yeah. the time bracelet that allows you to like go back and forth in time. Um, it, it very much feels like that. I mean, this game is just like constantly surprising me. Like literally right before we started recording, I just went through a set piece that I like couldn't believe existed uh and that just keeps happening over and over and over again as, as you as you said right at the top like the best way to describe this game is unbelievable like it it, yeah. it really is everything that i wanted it to be um it, it maintains everything i loved about those original ratchet and clank games on the ps2 but it's clearly like so far ahead of its time in terms of like even just the fidelity of stuff on screen or just the amount of stuff on screen which honestly like if i was to have one gripe about this whole game is that sometimes there's so much stuff on screen that my eyes just like can't process it yeah every once in a while i have a moment where i like lose track of what's happening because like there's bolts flying all over the place i have a gun that throws out like six or seven like little minion robots i threw out mr fun guy who's also shooting like 15 different enemies and there's like a, a shadow of the colossus level titan in the back like shooting an eye beam at me or something like sometimes there's just so much stuff happening that it's like hard to parse but outside of that it just ends up being impressive yeah and, and that's i think the thing that that I'm going to walk away with this or from this game, like really feeling just like it's going to be hard to clear the bar that this game set for the PS5 for a long time. Yeah, this this is so easily going to be. I mean, you know, whenever the PS5's lifespan is over, this will be like, you know, the games to play on the system. Yeah, uh, this is going to be up there. I mean, literally whenever I DM you and I'm like, you know, this actually might be the first year where you and I have a different number one game for game <laughs> of the year. And then something fucked up comes out like Hades. It's still very early on. We'll see what happens. But like, this is easily the best thing I played all year. Like. I, wow. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I'm still pretty early compared to you, but like I'm having an incredible time. Maybe it's, you know, it's so recent and it's so easy to get like awe inspired by this game, but like it really feels special and it, it just feels like so lovingly crafted. I mentioned this to you as well in terms of the animation. Like it's easy to get struck by just the use of color and how pretty everything is in the character design. But what really stood out to me is like how somewhat subtle the facial animations can be. Um, specifically with Rivet and, and Ratchet, like they, you know, I think in a lot of Disney and DreamWorks stuff, and this isn't bad, uh, this is this is just part of the style. I think whenever a character makes a face, it like moves with their whole body. Like, you know, if they like raise an eyebrow, they also raise their hand. And like everything is like, it's like a marionette almost, which is very cool. And it's why like people like that style of stuff. But uh, in, in Ratchet and Clank, the the faces they make are like very not human in an uncanny valley way but just like the size or the unsure smiles or like the when they're t like there's a scene where rivet is talking to clank in a bar and the dialogue that's between the two about like them slowly trusting each other more and like her kind of like tough front mixed with her kind of being vulnerable for the first time like that's all in her face, and it's very subtle. Despite how cartoony everything is, I, I'm like shocked at how they're able to do that so well. Yeah, I love it. I I am so in love with this game. I I find it inspiring. Um, and you know, there's a part of me that's like, of course, like they have the ability to make this because of like the the financial backing, which is true. But I think like if you took away all the polish and and shine, it's still a beautiful experience. You know, that's like yeah. kind of what. I think like as much as like you can throw money at a studio and have them make a good game, like it's still hard to do something like this. Like there's still so much required of the team and they clearly had a vision and a story they wanted to tell and that shows and that's what makes it a great game. As much as it's great that they utilize 
the PS5 hardware, and that's so impressive. Yes. Like, that is elevating what is already a great core. Yeah. That, like, this would have been a great time on the PS2 even. Yeah, I, I totally agree. The, the, yeah. the fidelity of this game, the ability to jump through rifts, you know, instantaneously with the power of the PS5's solid state hard drive and whatever. Like, that's not the thing that makes this game good. You know, like it really yeah. does come down to like it, just an incredible cast. And I really am, am like holding my tongue because I don't want to say anything else about the cast just in general, because I think you're going to like fall even more in love as time goes on. I'm um, sure. Yeah. But like the cast and the mechanics, which have worked since the PS2, like the, the, the way that this game is structured in terms of like hopping from planet to planet, having a main path, having a bunch of side quests, the way the weapons work, where they're all just like absolute nonsense and they all level up independently um, and allow you to like upgrade them all independently. And they do different things as you level them up. All really great. The fact that there's like 18 different versions of collectibles that you can get. There's like spy bots, which I don't want to give away what they do because it's amazing. There are gold bolts, which have been there since like the first game, which are just, you know, like hidden all over the like really, really hidden all over the place. And everyone that you get uh, unlocks like a different like old school, like PS1 level, like cheat, like big head mode or whatever. Um <laughs> And then there's there's uh, there's other I mean, there's so much there's so much like that. Um, I, I even found that there's like another collectible that isn't even tracked. That's just like these like green teddy bears that you can go pick up. And I don't even think you get anything for getting them. They just exist. Oh, I just, just find one. Yeah. Yeah. They're just like an, there's just another thing that you can go get. You know, like there there is so much depth to this outside of just like, oh, yeah, it's pretty, you know, right. um, that that like it kind of becomes a no brainer. Like if you have a PS5, like this is the game to get. It is a bummer, I think that this game isn't one of the ones that's also going to be on the PS4 at any point, you know, like uh, of all the games that are dropping uh, as PS5 and PS4, like kind of dual generation games, like the next God of War, the next Horizon game. Um, I think even the next Gran Turismo, if I'm not mistaken, I might be wrong about that one, but like all of all of those games are going to be on the PS4 and the PS5. And then there are only a f- handful of games that are like, no, we need the hard drive to be able to do this. And that's like Returnal and this so far, really. Um, those yeah. are like the ones. The thing about this game that kind of bums me out is like, I think you could remove the like instant load dimension hopping and it would like still be really fucking incredible. Yeah. Because of all of the stuff that we're talking about, because of the story, because of the way the mechanics uh, kind of play out. Um, the like ability to press L1 and like jump from dimension to dimension is like weirdly enough one of the least exciting parts of this game for me yeah somehow yeah Yeah. and and it's not it doesn't even work kind of the way that i expected it to like i kind of thought that you know my thought was that it was going to be like that titanfall level where like you could press a button at any time like hop to a different dimension version of the place that you were at and it ends up being a little bit more specific it ends up being like if you see a rift in the distance you can press l1 on it and it kind of works almost like a grappling hook where you like pull yeah that area towards you um yeah like with specifically designated spots that yes. you have to, you know. And and all the moments where you actually are really dimension hopping are like big action set pieces, you know? Yeah, the, the, the dimension hopping that works is when it becomes kind of uncharted where you're like on a fast moving slug and you end up like somewhere like... They really flex it in the beginning hours where you first fall through a rift yes. and you're just like, whoa, and it's like, you know, just it's so funny because you go to these wild places that don't make any sense. It's like, what world is this? Yeah. <laughs> like, but uh, it, it's so much fun. I I, uh, I I agree. I wish this was more available because like it's so immediately like this is this is an easy recommendation for anyone, even if you're not into shooters, because it's so like like Banjo-Kazooie almost. That, like, yeah, it's not, I don't even like, see this as a shooter, honestly. Yeah, right. What I love, too, is 
weapons, like we mentioned how wild the weapons are, even though they're like very silly, they all have a very thoughtful purpose. So like Mr. Mm -hmm. Fungi, who we brought up, like he's a decoy. He'll shoot at the enemy, but I'm like, is shooting beams from his mouth. But like, he's there to distract the enemy. So like, as soon as you get over like the humor of of each of the weapons, you know exactly how they're used, like uh, strategically. So you're like, okay, I want to throw Mr. Fungi over here, dash, use this. Mm -hmm. And it's Mm -hmm. like, I, I think what really helps too is that until you've upgraded them highly, every weapon only has so much ammo so you're like constantly switching yes and really trying to utilize like, even when you have more like you still will run into that like especially during the boss fights like the, the one weapon i have like once they reach level five which is independent of you upgrading them like you can upgrade like how far the bullets go and how much damage it does how much ammo you know basic stuff they also just level up the more you use it and once they reach level five they transform which i didn't expect which was so cool yeah uh, so that has only happened to me with the pistol and now it just shoots everywhere which is so good so it's like easily my best weapon yeah but uh even then like i've upgraded it it's level five but i still like i can use it to take out like maybe a quarter of the boss's health and then i have to switch Mm -hmm. so like they never lose that frantic feeling of like i have to i have to use my full arsenal to take on these threats and often you'll you'll be like left without ammo and then you have to like navigate somewhere especially in the survival mode like arena things like okay there's an ammo box over there and that's where the rifts are a little bit more useful because they're like okay that's the fastest way to get off this part over the lava Um, but i agree like in the more open areas i don't really i'm not like oh cool a rift yeah i think the best thing about the dimensions are really just like the framing device of the story to be honest right exactly yeah yeah and i i and there's a part of me that's like i think there was a way to make this game that didn't involve like needing to use that super high speed hard drive you know yeah that that would have allowed people to play it on the ps4 but like i'm i'm glad it's there now that i'm playing it you know totally i I think the one thing though that does make the game great that wouldn't be able to be on the ps4 is the feedback on the on the controller like yeah you wouldn't like it's uh, the design of the weapons are so baked into that idea that that you actually wouldn't be able to do it but i agree i mean i just like i think it boils down to i just wish the ps5 was cheaper and more available (laughs) which will (laughs) happen eventually so like right if you don't need to play it this year i'm sure like this time next year you could probably get it more easily yeah i'm sure there's gonna be like a ps5 slim eventually like they they do that every every generation i have a lot of friends who actually got a ps4 pro like now and they're able to get like everything for nothing which is honestly if you're willing to wait that's probably the move because that way that way you can like spend a fraction of what you would and have everything at your disposal that's a great idea that's what i did with the ps3 era i got a ps3 slim like a couple months before the ps4 came out and just like picked up every ps3 game that i missed except for the ratchet and clank games that i didn't know existed until this week (laughs) you didn't get secret agent clank on the psp Uh, no i did not i did not unfortunately (laughs) all right but yeah this this game is incredible if you have a ps5 get it and i and i hope that the claims of no crunch involved are true at the very least that being like an openly said thing i hope has a positive impact on the industry and that like this game is doing so well critically and commercially that like the fact that it's a success and it did not involve that type of work atmosphere yeah i hope ripples out and proves that like because i think there's still a lot of higher-ups that think you need crunch to make a great game and that's so unfortunately yes that is very much the case yeah Yeah. i i i'm glad you brought that up because i wanted to bring that up too um i i think i think it's so important to highlight it's it's using everything that a triple a game would and it still was created ethically and people were like pumped to work on it seemingly which like again like okay is that like a sponsored lie but i don't think so i think it's authentic based on how authentic the game feels yeah you know, how how much love was put into it so yeah, yeah. i would hope so insomniac man <laughs> 
they're good. They're good. I mean, I think you can also see like, uh, again, I haven't played a lot of the older Ratchet Clank games, but what they learned narratively in Spider-Man, you can see that kind of storytelling style in Ratchet and Clank. Yeah. You know, these really purposeful scenes between characters and then like the sort of like yelling dialogue over the action, um, which is very video gamey, but it works so well in in both the worlds of Ratchet and Clank and Spider-Man. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. Like swinging around, like, I'll be right there, mom, you know, like on the phone or whatever. Right. Uh, Yeah, there's a lot of that in this game. There's also a lot of the like you didn't get this far in uh, the new God of War, but um, one, one of the big things that everybody like loved, especially from like a, a game developer standpoint, just like following people on Twitter who were talking a lot about it when this game came out. Th- there's this like storytelling thing that happens in God of War where like as you're traversing from location to location, like Kratos uh, and another character will like tell stories to uh, Atreus. And uh, if, if you like end up at your destination before that story is done, they'll like cut it off kind of naturally in dialogue they'll be like oh, let's pick this up another time and then you go do whatever and then next time you like get in the boat or like start traversing across the world again they'll be like where were we in that story and then you know pick it up and keep going and that is like all that. over this game as well you haven't hit yeah. the levels where that starts to hit yet but like that's all over this game and i love it i really love it um, that happens to me once where like uh, clank was like how long have you known mourn and then I, it was like hey get the zerp stone i'm like no i wanted to hear what clank had to yeah. say uh that's great though i'm glad that still happens yeah i i've I've had a couple instances where like I'll go to the weapon shop like while they're in the middle of dialogue and then like they'll kind of like naturally re-enter the dialogue when I'm done in the weapon shop which is really nice I I need you to go do the next ratchet planet I, I guess it's worth mentioning that the way the game is set up um I don't we don't need to get too far into it but like the way the game is set up is as you go to different planets it's like ratchet and rivet each kind of like doing their own thing um on each of the planets and I really need you to go do the next ratchet planet because like the stuff that happens there I, I think you're gonna like lose your mind at I'm I'm going to platinum this game. I think that's, I, I've decided that. Like yeah. I, I really, I, I have yet to really, I don't often get taken by this desire to like do everything in a game. Mm-hmm. It really, like Ghost of Tsushima came close. Like I was like, I'm going to do everything in this game. I love like just being here. I love the environment. And then I got to the second part of the island. I'm like, I'm good. I don't have yeah, this when, when, the, when the game quintupled in size. Yeah. <laughs> But Ratchet and Clank, like, it's a pretty, like, that's the other thing, too. Like, I think the whole game is, like, 15 to 20 hours, you know, like, if you, like, stick to the plot. Yeah. So it's, like, a really nice, and that's something we talk about a lot, especially, like, doing a video game podcast. I think I'm I'm hoping for more AAA games like this, where, like, especially from AAA, where it's, like, okay, you have a bigger budget, you have, like, more resources to make, like, a flashier game. Why not have it be, like, as concise and purposeful as possible? Yeah. You know, I don't need, like, a gray land landscape that stretches out for like the actual state size of wisconsin that it's not interesting to me right i'd much rather have a smaller but more colorful worlds to to spend time in that like feels like it mattered and that will feel bigger you know i think that this game yes. like, if you look at the physical size of the levels probably not that big but it feels like you're in this never-ending universe because of how different everything is absolutely yeah yeah uh, it's it's a it's a good time i'm going to platinum it and i'm probably going to talk about it again at some point this year <laughs> yeah i think i think i probably will too um i i will probably be done with it by next weekend if i were to guess um i'm i'm eating it up the way i ate up the like ps2 games yeah it's hard not to honestly the only reason i haven't is because i wanted to finish integrate because i integrate is like a five to six hour adventure and i just needed to know how it ended because everyone was like the ending is like, don't tell me i want to do it myself and I've moved on now. And we're also prepping for the Game Boy Advance episode, which like I'm trying to put more time into stuff for that as well. Yeah. 
been interesting. So. Uh, you want to take a break and then come back and talk about um, a, a couple like little things that we've been playing before we hop into Final Fantasy VII Intergrade. <laughs> How many Final Fantasies are there? <laughs> um, yeah, let's take a break. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Steven. Hi. We're back. I'm on my second cold brew iced coffee thank you thank you oh nice it's cold it's very much cold brew season although you're you're cold brew year-round guy i am but it is summer and it's definitely more enjoyable in the summer (laughs) i've noticed yeah i I very much used to be that guy like in the dead of winter like commuting to work who would like have a cold brew and then eventually like enough people dunked on me for it that i was like i'll switch to regular i'll don't let them sway you live your truth the only time i was like fine i'll get hot coffee was two winters ago when it was like actually negative 40 and like lake michigan like looked like antarctica I'm like okay <laughs> point taken i'll get hot coffee i'll get a latte damn yeah. i went to the place down the street narrowly avoided frostbite and i got some hot coffee wow good for you it's good thank you anyway, anyway you talk about video some, games? yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, there, uh there's a bunch of stuff that i picked up recently like a whole bunch um and and i like i alluded to earlier I, we're not going to be able to talk about all of it but like i guess just quick like rundown of some stuff that like released recently that i'm like very excited about grifflands launched in 1.0 out of early access is on the nintendo switch which i've been playing uh you were actually at my house when when uh, we were playing it together for the first time yeah Um, it's a lot of fun i will definitely talk about that soon yeah Um, i like really want to talk about that game it's very good uh generation which was like maybe one of my most anticipated games of the year um you know i mean it came out last year but it launched on switch uh last week or two weeks ago at this point also just very good on switch uh if you're interested in that game at all definitely go check it out uh you'll have a good time and um what was the other one chicory uh which was a game that i like didn't really know anything about um i just knew that finji was making it and i had seen some screenshots and like some gifs here and there on twitter but like had no idea what it was about and then it dropped during the wholesome i think it was the wholesome direct it might have been a different one uh or i don't know it was during one of the many 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 live streamed events that have happened in the past <laughs> couple of days uh yeah. where they were like it's out now it's on ps4 ps5 um and also on pc and mac so i picked it up for mac just because i like finji i like the stuff that they work on and also the reviews came out and it's like nines and tens across the board pretty much yeah um, like goatee level kind of reviews uh, from what i read so very interested in checking that out but the other game Me that too. i was like really stoked about that got announced and released on the same day and i just don't want it to get lost in the e3 hypes so i wanted to bring it up on this week before we're like not even talking about like recent stuff for a little bit um <laughs> is the new game by Inkle uh, called Overboard for the Switch. Um, It might be out for other platforms. I'm not really sure, uh, but I'm playing it on Switch at the moment. Uh, Inkle, for those of you who don't know, uh, just known for making like really great kind of like narrative branching path, choose your own adventure kind of stuff. Uh, Really, really made a name for themselves with uh, their first game for mobile, which was called 80 Days. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Same artist, too, right? Who did both games. I think so. Probably. Um, I think, you know, same team, whatever. Right. Uh, yeah. But um, 
Yeah, that game was an adaptation of Around the World in 80 Days. Uh, Essentially, you are like the assistant to the person who is trying to go around the world in 80 days. And of course, like you're the actual one who is going to make it happen. You know, the other person is just like the one giving interviews and newspapers and whatever. And you're actually going around and like making the deals behind the table and in alleyways and shit to like actually get around the world. It's an incredible game. I've played it many, many times. I played it a bunch on iOS. I played it a bunch again uh, when it re-released on um, on PC and Mac. Uh, it, it's so good. And and if you haven't played 80 Days, like I highly recommend it. So they announced a new game called Overboard um, and then released it the same day. And the pitch for it immediately struck me. I was like, all <laughs> yeah, about it. Yeah, it's a great pitch. Because like, I, I knew, look... I liked 80 Days. I haven't played any of the other stuff, but like I knew that Inkle was like just kind of bound to make another hit eventually because like you can't make a game like 80 Days and not like nail it again at some point. Sure. Um, So the pitch for Overboard is um, you are a woman on a kind of like cruise liner adjacent thing. It's it's just kind of more of a boat. It's not really a cruise liner, but it's, you know, it's a boat and it is transporting like a bunch of rich people essentially uh, from from um, England to, to the U.S., And right before the game begins, a murder happens where somebody falls off the side of the boat, like ostensibly gets pushed off the side of the boat. And the game plays out kind of like a murder mystery where like you need to go around and like solve this. But the big twist of the game, and again, this is the pitch of the game. This is not spoiling anything. The twist of the game is that you are the husband or sorry, you are the wife of the guy who died and you are the one who did it. And you're very aware that you're the one who did it. And the whole game plays out with you trying to essentially like just make it to the US without getting caught. And that could happen (laughs) in multiple ways that could happen via like, you know, you pinning the murder on somebody else that could happen with like you kind of spreading enough false evidence around where like suspicion is taken off you entirely. Um, There are a lot of ways to go about accomplishing this goal, but it is very difficult and requires you like kind of mapping out your relationships with everybody on the boat. I'm not going to get like too far into this game um, because it's like a little spoiler adjacent to even kind of talk about like how some of it works. But like the top level is when you play the game, the the hours in the day, it's going to take one day for you to reach the United States. Uh, The hours in the day start to tick by. And as the hours go by, everybody who's on the boat kind of like has their own path that they kind of like keep to Mm. um, and their own things that they do, which will change depending on how you interact with them. But, you know, for the most part, like they kind of have like a set like path that they that they make their way through. Kind of Majora's Mask almost like they have like a determined schedule. Yeah, exactly. And you can go around and interact with all those people um, and interacting with them in the right way, interacting with objects, interacting with the world um, in in different ways at different times will yield different results. Um, So the game is very much like about trying to do that in the way that will prevent you from getting caught. There are a lot of like very interesting reveals that happen along the way that like kind of imply that like maybe your ultimate goal is a little bit more complex than just get away with murder. But that said, the thing that really surprised me, and I think it's worth saying, even though it's spoiler adjacent, but like it's not going to be that shocking if you play the game um, is that it's like almost roguelike adjacent Mm. as well, where like if you get caught at any point, you wake up the previous day in your bed the day after the murder happens and the protagonist like remembers everything that she had done that uh, led to her getting caught in some way shape or form and it's like okay i have to avoid this and it'll update your to-do list with like how do i avoid 
you know, oh, get, getting fun. caught planning evidence in this person's room, for example, um, things like that. Um, and as you continue to like do loops through the game, you will learn more and more and more about each of these characters and their set paths throughout the day, how to interact with them in different ways to accomplish different goals, depending on what your goals are in that like quote unquote run. It is incredible. It is so good. I, I love that. I sat down to play it thinking that it was going to be kind of like a short experience, especially when I started playing. And it was like, oh, yeah, there's 12 hours until we reach land. And the hours started ticking by like really, really quick. I was like, oh, man, this is a really short game. Um, and I guess like you just play it until you win. Like you just like do it over and over again until you win. And then the first time I like, quote unquote, got away with it, it was very quickly revealed that that was not the actual intention. Like there was there's <laughs> way more depth yeah. to the game than you think there is. And that's kind of where I want to leave it. Uh, but it's called Overboard it's out now it's on switch i love it love it like i have been returning to it way more than i thought i was going to especially given the amount of shit that you and i are playing right, right now yeah, i mean crazy. Yeah. we're playing so much stuff uh you know finally we can talk about like playing the game boy advance stuff that we've been playing uh in anticipation of our like big kind of all-encompassing everything ever released on the game boy advance episode like <laughs> playing you know ratchet and clank and the game boy advance stuff and final fantasy and you know x y and z but i just keep going back to overboard to keep like doing runs of it because uh, it's really 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 uh engrossing so highly recommend checking it out that's awesome i'll definitely pick it up yeah that sounds that sounds amazing i'm Oof. glad they're doing more stuff me too i've also been playing a lot of stuff uh one game i wanted to highlight that was another game i was looking forward to on the ps5 which is also on the ps4 and let me double check it might be on more stuff too it's on windows and ps4 and ps5 so sorry xbox fans you can't play <laughs> guilty gear strive uh, which is the latest Guilty Gear game in a long running uh, fighting series that's like simultaneously kind of overlooked, but also like deeply beloved by fighting game fans. Yeah. Um, it's made by Ark, who I think are probably most well known at this point for making Dragon Ball Fighter Z. And as evidenced by Ooh. that game, they're just like easily the best team at making fighting games at this point. Like yeah. they're kind of unrivaled, at least in terms of spectacle. Like they, they tend to focus on 2D fighters, but they've kind of pushed like how you can make the presentation of a 2d fighter fighter as like three-dimensional visually as possible and mm -hmm. like as like you know in, in dbz uh dragon ball fighter z i do also wish it was just dragon ball fighters but here we are <laughs> you'll knock an enemy and they'll fly into a mountain it really does look like you're watching the show yes and like it just you know dragon ball if nothing else is like the perfect fodder for a fighting game like that's what the show is yeah as as spectacle i find their games to be like just you know eye candy essentially like i i think it says a lot that dragon ball fighter z is like the one game in that style of like head-to-head -head kind of street fighter adjacent games that i like will watch during evo and just like esports tournaments in general because like yeah. it's so fun to watch even though i have no idea what's happening <laughs> i would say too dragon ball fighter z definitely feels it plays a lot like marvel vs. capcom 3 mm. where like you have a team of three, first of all, and then there's like a button you push to have characters like assist with the move or whatever. Yeah. The thing about that game is that while art games are also known for being like very stylish and very fun to watch, as you just said, they're also known for having like a very intimidating skill ceiling. Mm. And that can be off-putting to a lot of new players. The thing about Dragon Ball Fighter Z, though, is that they were like kind of taking steps towards making it a little bit more accessible. And I heavy quotes around all of that because it's still <laughs> it's still very intimidating. But like 
the recent games have had a lot of really helpful like mission modes that are honestly just fun to do on their own where like they'll be like okay here's how to pull off this combo and like each character will have their own set of missions where like you learn the basics on like what everybody can do you learn like what these characters can do I find it really helps to do that to like one learn just how much thought was put into this game Hmm. and two to like really get an understanding of like what you want from a character because there's like the gut feeling of oh I want to play as Majin Buu or whoever but then it's like how do they actually play and and what style do i like yeah and with dragon ball fighter z2 like there was sort of like universal combos like every character could do so it was a little bit more beginner friendly for the first few months then everyone got way too good and you couldn't play online anymore So I was really curious because I, for Guilty Gear, which is sort of their flagship series, I had played the one on Dreamcast at a friend's house and I was like, what is this? This is so, Guilty Gear as a series is so committed to being over the top that like it becomes like full camp, you know, yeah. like it, it, it really it feels, feels like. It feels a little JoJo's Bizarre Adventure to me. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the story is like wild. You know, there, there's a character who's like constantly time traveling against his will. Everyone is named after like 80s musicians, very similar to JoJo. Yeah. That's probably the best thing to compare it to, but it's just so like infectious in its vibe because it's just like whoever makes this game like loves 80s speed metal so much that they've just like created <laughs> a fictional world around it. Yeah. And I, I've always really enjoyed them. So I played the one on Dreamcast and then I picked up on a whim uh, Guilty Gear XRD Rev 2 on the PS4 and like really enjoyed it. But like it was a little bit past when like a lot of people were playing it. So many people who were playing it online were like pros and I couldn't really casually invite anyone over and be like do you want to play guilty gear xrd rev 2 with me so all that to say i was really excited to see what strive would be like because they have kind of more eyes on them in a post dragon ball z world and i was wondering if they were going to make it like even more accessible in some ways to have this be like the entry point for guilty gear and the answer is they did not do that <laughs> oh no <laughs> um they did in some ways so there's still the <laughs> there's still the mission tutorial thing and in general i found that while it's still a hardcore fighting game for fans of the genre and for fans of Guilty Gear, um, they have tweaked some things in a way that does make it like a little bit more welcoming, but like still in heavy quotes. Um, yeah. What I noticed is like in XRD Rev 2, for example, every possible move could be canceled. Matches could go on for a long time because there's so much room for like give and take. And that's why I liked it because I, mm. I found that even though I love Dragon Ball Fighter Z and I love Marvel's Capcom 3, those games tend to be like whoever gets the first hit and can do like infinite combos will win. Like yes. It's very hard to bounce back. Whereas in Guilty Gear, there's a lot of like cool defensive comebacks. Uh, famously, there's a move in all, most of the Guilty Gear games called the Roman Cancel where if you hit three of the attack buttons, you'll just cancel whatever you're doing. So that's a great opportunity to like, if I'm rushing in with an attack, that's like obviously not going to land. I can kind of retreat from that and try something else. That's great. Yeah. What I also loved, and they they don't have this in Strive, which was kind of disappointing, but in XRD Rev 2, if you hit all the buttons at once, your character would like start glowing red and like largely announce like that they're doing something scary. And then if you did two quarter turns and circle, they would perform a one hit kill attack where there's like a big cinematic thing uh, where, you know, like uh, I played as Melia Rage who fights with her hair, whatever. Um, and her attack is like all her hair like pops out and surrounds <laughs> them like Piccolo style. And then she just like closes her fist and it all goes in. Yeah. Incredible. Like 
So much fun. Um, I miss those in this, but I kind of get why they don't have them because like, you know, I don't know. I, I liked them as sort of like a, a deus ex machina in a match where like, it's like your last hope if you're like completely losing. I might as well try to get this, mm. you know, very hard to pull off, but like, you know, it's it's a Hail Mary in some ways. The way matches play in Strive, they're much faster. So there's less... There's less abilities to cancel everything. There's less like the, the skill ceiling feels a little bit more visible, but matches are over quicker. So it's like you have to get in what you want and then mm. it's like done. Nice. And everything feels like heavier and slower in a way that I think it's easier to tell what's happening. So like, you know, the game will largely announce like counter if you do that. And it will also like kind of visually tell you like what a character is doing, which I think is helpful in the sense that like, sometimes when you're losing in Guilty Gear XRD Rev 2, you'll be like, I can't even compute what this person is doing. Yeah. It's just like magic to me. Mm. But in this game, I think they kind of show what the moves are more that you can more easily learn from losing a match. Um, and I mean, it goes without saying, the animation is like unreal. It's a beautiful game. And it's also on PS4, which is great. So like, I think there's crossplay too. The roster is a little bit smaller than I expected. And they're, they're doing the season pass stuff, which like on one hand is kind of frustrating. So I'm like, there are definitely like series staple characters that are not here that I will probably like that be forced to pay be for. part of the season pass. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. There are 15 characters though. So there aren't like, it's not like Street Fighter V came out when it was like just Ken and you had to buy everyone else. <laughs> uh, like there's enough here and clearly so much thought has gone into every character and how they play um there are a couple new characters that are really fun there's a vampire samurai who like has like a blood meter that goes down and he'll like go into like a vampire mode Mm. um at, at the cost of other things it's really fun and and it plays really well and i think fans of the series will love it but my major gripes are i miss the one hit kill moves and i i wish there were more characters from go the game did get delayed so i wonder if that played into it at all where they're like okay like we just gotta release it now and we'll we'll work it out later yeah the other thing that's kind of weird is the online mode well great is <laughs> so what they normally do is like in xrd and in dragon ball fighter you have like a sort of like Minecraftian avatar that you can dress up as different characters. Right. So I was always Piccolo with the baseball cap and like... Yeah, the post boy shirt. The post boy outfit, yeah. exactly. Where he goes to learn how to drive. Amazing episode. In this game, it's like a weird 8-bit room where like when you want to play online, you go to this weird castle and you have to like literally stand in a place and go like, challenge me with a sword and then wait for <laughs> someone to like walk up to you and say yes. Like a, like an MMO. That's really weird. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like... Clearly they had fun making it and like, you know, it, it, it works, but I'd rather just find a match. Like do what any other fighting game has done for years and just like, you know, connect me to someone who's around my rank. Yeah. It, it's just weird that it has to be manual. It, it, it feels like a big misstep. It doesn't really change anything. I just like think it will make playing ranked matches a little more awkward. But I've also found that usually at a certain point, most people are playing just like unranked casual matches. So I think that this would be fun to like make a room and just play with friends for like x hours totally um i did see in the discord that there are a number of people who picked it up so i might make a room one night for all of us or something yeah but yeah i'm having a great time with it and it's also i think a little cheaper i think it's like 50 bucks so it's not like a full 70 dollar game which is nice because i sure did want to get three games for the ps5 this week and i'm glad <laughs> one was 20 and one was 50 yeah 
Out of curiosity, do you think you're going to pick up the other stuff? Like, are you going to get like Returnal and Demon Souls? I think I'm going to wait for a sale for both of them, to be honest. Yeah. I think I, I think I would want to. Again, like we said earlier, we're playing so much stuff right now. I, I don't want to spin myself too thin. But I would love to play Demon Souls specifically. And I think before the end of the year, I'll pick up Returnal just to like see where it lands for me in terms of goatee purposes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's a... Uh, my current PS5 library is Strive, Yuffie, and uh, Ratchet and Clank, which is like those are the things I was waiting for. Totally. Which is fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's all I got to say. The soundtrack is a bit hit or miss. Um, they've always had like a fun, like, you know, hair metal vibe. Every song has lyrics this time. And I find <laughs> that like it sometimes ventures into when I like ironically sing Pearl Jam. Like it has that vibe sometimes. Right. But other times I'm like, this fucking rules. And you can also unlock older music, um, which is fun because I, I tend to prefer the older songs but uh it, it's so campy it's hard not to fall in love with it sometimes the the theme of the game is called smell of the game which is like just ridiculous uh yeah i did there is a 13 sentinels-esque timeline you can read of like all the events of guilty gear and like as a fan of the series i had no idea what the story was until now it is unbelievable <laughs> basically it involves like in 1999 or whatever all technological devices either stopped working or became like possessed basically <laughs> so like technology was just sort of erased and then in place of that there was a guy uh, uh the universal will or something created magic it's bizarre but it's like once you, it's like 13 sandals or once you start reading you're like okay i can't know half of this i gotta know the whole thing yeah <laughs> there's there's an assassin's guild that's just to please the appetite of a vampire who doesn't want to kill but he's like fine drinking the blood of evil people so he's like <laughs> hires a bunch of assassins to do his work for him uh, there's like a group of like kind of one piece-esque pirates that are on an airship that are very fun then you know there's the whole the two main characters are soul bad guy and kai kisk uh and they have like a fun rivalry soul bad guy soul bad guy is the name of the main character uh, and the rules. the antagonist is named that man or something like that yeah awesome <laughs> There's also a story mode that's just like a long anime you can watch. I have not done that, but like they can, they keep it completely separate from the arcade mode, which is so yeah, funny. That's great. Because normally in fighting games, you like get a sense of the story. Like if you want it, it's all like in like a preserved vat somewhere <laughs> that you can just watch, you know, X hour of it. But yeah, I, I find it to be very fun. It's it, incredibly silly and over the top, but it's enjoyable. Yeah, it's it's definitely like not my thing but i'm very glad that you are playing it and enjoying it because this was like towards the top of the list of games that you were like i when i get a ps5 this will be the first thing i get yeah yeah it, it, it's I, i've just been hungry for a new fighting game you know because like yeah. since dragon ball and i guess smash brothers there hasn't really been one that i've like given my time to and uh you know I, i'm excited to like get more into this and like yeah do the missions for different characters um i'm like low-key very into fighting games but i'm all there's always a drop-off point for me where like it gets sweaty at a certain point and then I bounce. Yeah. Like, That's always me with first person shooters too. Eventually, like yeah. every once in a while, every once in a blue moon, a developer will make a first person shooter like multiplayer game that I'm actually interested in and then I'll pick it up like at launch and play it for like two months and then the skill ceiling gets so high that I'm out. I love like committing to a character and learning how they play. It has yeah. that sort of almost Dark Souls like practice and perfection hook to me. Yeah. And I also love the pageantry and like how just silly it is. Like mm. it has almost like WWE energy. <laughs> <laughs> where like you know they announce someone and they come in and like hi i'm the 
Axel Rose time traveler. Like, yeah, hell yeah. Why not? <laughs> so yeah, that's all I got on strive for the moment. If you are a fan of this series and you're in our discord, let me know if you want me to like organize something. Cause I'd love to play with like people I relatively know. Yeah. At the very least, I'd like to see you stream it personally. Oh, that'd be fun. I'd be very yeah, interested I, I, in you doing like a stream night for that yeah. game just cause I want to see it in action. I've been trying to figure out who I want to main, but that's in a whole other conversation. Krillin. <laughs> Oh man, who's the Krillin of Guilty Gear? I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah. Um, do you want to you take a break? <laughs> um, yeah, I'll take a break. And then uh, when we come back, we'll talk about Final Fantasy a little bit. Oh yeah, that'll be a nice, relaxing, chill conversation. Yeah. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Hello, Steven. Hey, Brendan. Welcome back to the show. What is this? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I would like to ask you about Final Fantasy VII Integrate. You sound like a VI in Mass Effect featuring yuffie yeah oh my god we both picked it up yeah (laughs) maybe we don't need to get into the whole process of what it's like to upgrade your ps4 version of final fantasy 7 remake to the ps5 version but it is terrible my my advice honestly is if you are if you have a ps5 and you already had a ps4 copy if you have blood to spill and (laughs) and a totem to the devil near you I will say this. If you have the game, you can download the PS5 upgrade Intergrade for free. But if you do that before you upload your save, your save file is not there. My advice, just start a new game. Just enjoy it again. You know, because like the amount of time it takes you to upload your save, you will have finished. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Anyway, and then Intergrade or excuse me, Intermission, the Yuffie DLC is a $20 download um, for her chapter that i have finished it is roughly six hours depending on what you do um there are two chapters so it's a pretty like small adventure and seemingly it's sort of like uh for those who don't know in the original ff7 yuffie was one of two optional characters uh her and vincent valentine you had to like do a side quest of sorts to find yuffie especially esoteric like vincent you would eventually go into a room where there was a man sleeping in a coffin and like vampire outfit and you're like i gotta talk to you gotta talk to that person you know absolutely but yuffie you had to encounter in a random battle on the world map like in the woods (laughs) and you would not do that unless you like knew to go looking for her right in addition to that you then when you talk to her you have to choose the exact right dialogue options otherwise she would disappear forever Unbelievable. So all that to say, <laughs> uh, I was looking forward to remake actually taking the opportunity to like highlight Yuffie and make her give her like, I guess, stronger reasons for joining the party yeah. and not have her be optional. So when they announced this, I was really excited because like of the cast, I think I know Yuffie the least from the original game. Like I, I think in my first playthrough, I didn't even know she was like an option until later. Right. And, you know, even when I recruited her, I don't really remember her as much because like her main story beat is later also in an optional side quest where you go back to Wutai. Um, and she's a great character. Like people have loved her for years, but like, yeah, she was big in kingdom hearts. She, she had like a kingdom big hearts. kingdom hearts presence. So there was an interest in like really giving her like the characterization she deserved. And I'll say this about intermission. Yuffie rules. She steals the show, like not only in her mission, but like maybe in the whole remake universe. I think she's like one of the stronger characters in the cast at this point. Hmm. 
I, I just think like the way it begins, she is like a agent from Wu Tai, which is a country that has kind of had like a Rocky, not even Rocky. They've been at war with Shinra and she's there with her uh, colleague Sonon to like kind of have an uneasy alliance between Wu Tai and Avalanche. Which is cool. It's a little bit hard to follow some of the backstory with that, and I'm not like quite sure what the reasons Wutai and Avalanche have to distrust each other. But I like that they've when you play the original game, I always thought that Avalanche was like just Barrett and crew. Like I didn't realize it was a bigger operation. Yeah, it's like a whole yeah, it's a whole yeah, yeah Which collective makes of more people. Sense. Yeah. It's a it's an actual resistance. Yeah. And I and I think I think Remake does a really good job specifically of of like really diving into like, well, Barrett's version of Avalanche like Barrett's little core group of Avalanche is like maybe pushing things too far for the rest yeah, of Avalanche. Right. And, and they even comment on that where they refer to that crew as the Splinter Cell. And they're yeah. like, we don't want to even associate with them. Yeah. But Yuffie and Son are like, they're kind of cool, though. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I won't spoil it, but you'll obviously like in passing see the cast yeah, of the like core game. Yeah. And it's always like a star striking moment. I'm like, oh, my God, it's them. Um, yeah. But anyway, Yuffie, I just I really like the way they set her up. She has this very like almost Don Quixote vibe to her where she like it's so funny that she's a ninja because no one has more loudly announced when she's in a room than, than her she has like a whole routine plan there's a moment where like i thought she was about to burst into song it's like a fully hd cutscene where she's like who is the girl striking in the night and like whatever like she's just so fun and so immediately likable but you know that like like she shows up in this tattered shawl that has a moogle head on it and that was such a good like costume design because like she's in this like world of like dirt and ruin and is like this kind of bright spot amongst that mm. and has this sort of like really authentic determination to like do good and like is naive and you know that that you know that she's gonna be crushed at some point and i, I kept dreading that because i'm like she's yeah. so happy-go-lucky so optimistic we know what happens. You know, there's a lot of dramatic irony. It almost has a Rogue One vibe to it where like, yeah, we know how this mission's going to end. And I, I looked forward to seeing her kind of lose that innocent naivete but also gain back that determination the confidence and stuff yeah, yeah totally yeah I, I guess it's worth mentioning w without spoiling like the stuff that happens in uh remake but like this takes place very early on in remake story this takes yeah. place like within the first two chapters of remake story yeah, it's like the first two chapters and the last two chapters, basically. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't hit that point yet. Intermission is two chapters itself. And honestly, I, I like that it's a short, concise adventure. I could have used another chapter because I think that mm. while it really succeeded in setting up Yuffie and I like cannot like the first Avengers, I just cannot wait for them all to be together. Yeah, uh, they're, they're really stringing me along here. It succeeded on setting up Yuffie, but I think a lot of the other plot specifically with her partner felt a little rushed mm. um like i liked sonon a lot like they have a great repartee and like you know he calls her boss and she's like constantly getting them into trouble and he's like it's a classic duo like yeah that sounds they great. go really well together um i could have used a beat of the story that was like more of them interacting together because yeah. it, it goes kind of like from zero to 60 really quick in terms of like the stakes and it's probably a compliment that I wanted more. And on uh, on a gameplay level, Yuffie is unreal. Like she's so fun to play as. For, yeah, absolutely. Really, really cool. 
Yeah, she's she's got this really nice mix of like long range and up close yes. stuff. Uh, you can like switch a lot of your elements like on a whim, which is really fun. Um, it, it just it feels like they've kind of pushed the combat system that was in remake, like almost as far as it could go with Yuffie specifically, where like yeah. she kind of exemplifies the best of like what every character was doing in remake standard. Yeah. Exactly, yeah, because in, in Remake, you have Barret and Aerith as the range characters, and then Tifa and Cloud as the melee. The way she works is when she throws her ninja star, as that, like, you hit triangle again to retrieve it, but while it's being thrown, you can hit square to, like, do magic attacks. Yeah. And you can also change the element of that. So, yeah, she's, like, really good. I'm, like, almost wondering, like, can I, like, will I ever not have her in my party in the next chapter? Yeah. I'll, I'll say this about this this whole mission, though. Um, it does have similar issues to the core game and that, like, I think because both games have a lot of pressure to, like, keep the story relatively linear, the element of side quests are like, here's every side quest all at once and you have to do it all right now, right now or else yeah. or or never again. And the side quests are better than they were in Remake, but they're going all out on Fort Condor, which is the Gwent <laughs> of this world. Yeah. And it's just, it's so funny because, like, you'll run into, you know, the characters who play Fort Condor, I won't spoil because it's like incredible to see like who's really good at Fort Condor and Fort Condor basically is like in the original game there was a side quest where you actually went to Fort Condor it's a real place and they were like waging a war against Shinra and the mini game was you would like spend gil to like recruit mercenaries to fight shinra in this sort of like age of empires e rts game right it was fun it, it was a, it was a fun side quest it, i mean ff7 is like littered with that kind of stuff and i think remake has been having a lot of fun interpreting that into the new game so the way they take for condor which i think works is it's it's like the optional you know card game gwent where you can challenge people to a game of fort condor at first i thought it was terrible i was like this is like not fun uh mm-hmm. i don't know what i'm doing i don't know what any of this means but as the difficulty ramps up i actually started to enjoy it a lot more you had thoughts on it that i would love to hear yeah i so I, I guess um just worth diving in a little bit deeper for condor in this uh universe in the universe of, of final fantasy 7 intergrade uh is <laughs> is, is like a is like a board game that has kind of like taken Midgar by storm like everybody in Midgar is playing it you, you kind of described it as like a Final Fantasy 8 situation where like everybody has the playing cards that everybody that in the card game that you play in Final Fantasy 8 like everyone you meet has those cards and everyone is playing it at all times that is very much what it feels like here where like around every corner is another person who's trying to challenge you to play Fort Condor it's like no no, no I have a mission man yeah um, <laughs> but the way Fort Condor itself actually works I was so shocked by as like I started playing it because it is just uh, Clash Royale, which is like a very popular mobile game, or alternatively, one of our favorite games, uh, Asterisk, which is Gears Pop, uh, the, the Funko Pop mobile game that was like centered around Gears of War that made us laugh until we cried um, during our very first episode of this podcast. Um, <laughs> That is exactly how Fort Condor plays. And I used to play a shitload of Clash Royale and a little bit of Gears Pop because like I had to for the show. <laughs> yeah. um, but because I've played so much of those games, jumping into Fort Condor was like, oh, my God, I know exactly what I'm doing. I know exactly what the right strategies are. Like, it was so easy for me to immediately, like, get a handle on it and, like, love yeah. it. I w- the reason I haven't played that much of, of intermission so far is, like, all I'm doing is challenging everybody to Fort Condor at all times. And I have not progressed the story literally 
past the moment when like I did the intro, you're in, what is it, Sector 7, and then they're like, okay, here's all the side quests, but here's where the main mission is, and all the side quests are playing for Condor against people, and that's all I've been doing. Um, yeah. So I haven't progressed the story literally past the intro. <laughs> but that's also what you have to do, because otherwise you can't play for Condor again. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is another issue with, with these games. But um, yeah, I, I loved it. I mean, I, without spoiling, uh, when you finish it, there's like a ton of post credit scenes that kind of hint at where part two will be going which is very exciting mm. and uh it's just a joy i mean again i think yuffie is a great character i think this is like a really great way to portray her character and to like give her more meaning there are a number of ways to interpret how she will be joining the main cast and i'm really excited to see how that plays out so like uh, intermission accomplished for uh this game <laughs> setting up yuffie um the other thing too is that like ff7 remake had great music already but like this this chapter is stunning like the music in this game like the remake of Yuffie's theme mm. as the battle theme is incredible. Um, at the end of chapter one, there's sort of like a, a chase sequence happening that's like just like Cowboy Bebop jazz. Like it's unbelievably oh, nice. good. You know, it, it there are a lot of genres at play with the soundtrack in this chapter specifically. It's great. It's weird that Sonon, similar deal to like every other character you play, he has the ATB meter, he has his own moves, his own, you can equip him with weapons and materia, but you can't play as him. But what you can do is once you both have your ATB meter filled up, you can do moves together called oh, synergies nice. where like he'll grab Yuffie and like throw her around and she'll like land on an enemy, yeah. which is just Chrono Trigger. So I'm like really hoping that in part two, the cast has synergies together. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know, like what, choose your character and make a move together. It's, yeah. it would be great. It was already amazing that they had, that they allowed you to play as every character in remake. I, I was already yeah. like really surprised by that. And I was wondering if they were going to continue that, especially like. Like with the more esoteric characters like Red 13, like, okay, how is Red 13 going to control? Like, what, what, what is, what does that moveset look like? How does that feel? It's almost like, um, bear with me. It's almost like, like a Marvel's Avengers kind of like problem that you have to solve, right? It's like, how do you make each of these characters feel completely unique, but still play within the same world in a way that makes sense and can carry over from one to the other? They all have to feel like you would expect them to feel. It's a really difficult problem to solve. Um, and I could see this kind of being the way that they like skirt around that going forward, you know? Um, True. But, uh, I think Yuffie yeah. will definitely... I, th I think at least the human characters... I mean, yeah, they already built Yuffie out, so obviously yeah. she's going to still be playable. Um, but I mean, like, is Sonon going to carry over into the next thing? Is Red 13, is he going to be playable yeah. in part two? You know, like, or are they just going to say, Sith. like... Right, is Kate Sith going to be playable in part two? Or is it going to be like, no, Cloud has, like, synergy moves with Kate Sith, you know? Mm, that could be fun, yeah. Because that would also let you use more characters at once. Like, if it's like, okay, you have your totally. party three and Red 13 or Kate Sith. Right, yeah, um, you can pick, like, a, like a um... An adjunct. I'm playing three houses, obviously. <laughs> yeah, th this is based on nothing um, other than my own predictions. This is not a spoiler, but I have a th I have a feeling that the release order now that they've done part one. Yuffie chapter, you know, and part two seemingly on the horizon. I think between part two and three will be the Vincent chapter and he'll, cause he's the other optional character. Yeah. So I imagine he'll get like his own weird mission that introduces the character kind of more strongly. And then he joins. Yeah. Cause that's another character where like, I think everyone who played remake, who would play the original is like, how are they going to do Vincent? The dude <laughs> has guns and he can turn into Frankenstein. Like, yeah. I'm so excited to see it cause they've really embraced the like wackiness of the original. Yeah. So I imagine he will still have all those like demon transfer. Yeah, I will never forget. I, I don't want to say too much about it, but I will never forget the moment when Kate Sith shows up in remake. Yeah, was the most like out of left field. What the fuck am I looking at moment for me who like hadn't played through all of the originals. So like I, right. I had no connection or understanding of Kate Sith's deal 
a shocking shot for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll be interested to see if Vincent ends up being a between two and three situation or if they're going to like do another intermission. Um, but but this one just being called intermission just feels like this is the capital T capital I intermission for part one. So I, I think I think I'm probably with you there. What I'm actually really interested in, uh, you just completely re- I had forgotten that this existed, but you remind me of it. Um, and, and the Square Enix event is later today uh, as of the day of this recording. So like you might know the answer to this, dear listener. But I'm really interested in that mobile remake they're doing of seven oh, yeah. where they're where they're integrating the storylines from every single like splinter of the Final Fantasy seven universe. So, like here's Advent Children. Here's that PSP game. Uh, here's, you know, X, Y, Z thing all in one linear story and i'm wondering if that's going to be like kind of the blueprint for remake in a way i think it is because i mean it's not a spoiler they were in the trailer for the game uh there are characters from dirge of cerberus in intermission which like no one played that yeah but like the fact that they are pulling from dirge of cerberus they are like it's like a superhero movie pulling like the d tier hero like how can we make them interesting yeah they're fine I, i i think i hope they don't play a bigger role than they do in here i think in the remake world all the villains are more threats than characters i think you're Mm. there for like the genuine relationships between the heroes and like sephiroth and shinra are all just there to put that at stake yeah because shinra are so cartoonishly evil you know i mean scarlet has a big role in this and she's always like (laughs) you know like yeah uh, it's it's so camp but uh i think what makes it feel real are like the heroes like genuine reaction to like horrific moments Mm. and uh i'm just so excited i'm really really like antsy and a little bit trepidatious but most excited for part two they did such a good job in part one though that i have a lot of faith in like this project yeah i'm kind as long of as they have an end goal you know i think that they'll be fine yeah i'm i'm a little bit i'm i i think i'm a little bit less optimistic about like part two and onwards um because like it feels like such a tightrope walk to make part one work as well as it did like it, it almost feels like capturing lightning in a bottle multiple times uh it could be difficult they definitely built a bedrock for like succeeding in part two but also without saying too much where part one ends and and the direction that part one goes like kind of opens the door for like some kingdom hearts nonsense which sure. is which is what makes me nervous from like a narrative perspective um yeah but also like revisiting especially this week i I revisited um part one because of the intergrade release i just wanted to see it like with all the graphic settings like turned all the way up on the ps5 but just like revisiting that game i think as the years go on i am going to love this game more and more and more and more like i i had a feeling while i was playing through it again this week like i think i feel the way other people do about the original about remake specifically like i have such an emotional attachment to this world and these characters and and the way it plays and i've played through that story twice now this is the third time i'm playing like i love this game so much um that's how i felt playing intermission as well because i think my first time playing the remake i kept being like oh that's from the original game or that's from the original game and now i'm like oh my god it's it's like this game's interpretation of Biggs, Wedge, and Jesse. Like, I remember Mm -hmm. the moments in Remake specifically, which I think a lot of people referred to this as an adaptation of the original, which I think is such a good way to put it, because this is, like, its own universe. But I agree. I think think the pitfall is, like, they stem too far away from what people actually like and go more into, like, oh, this is a reality in which dreams are actually nightmares. Like, I don't need that. I I just want... I just want my friends to hang out with each other and to, like, fight Sephiroth. That's all I need. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Anyway, I'm glad I'm glad you liked intermission. It was a lot of fun. And I think like, you know, Yuffie adding being added this way is so meaningful. Um, It was great. I I had a wonderful time. Yeah. You want to wrap up? Yeah, I think it's time to wrap up. 
It's time to say goodbye. Uh, next week will be our big season four premiere, which is wild that it's I can't already that's here. Next week, yeah. Um, so that will be all about the Game Boy Advance. We're really excited to do that, uh, and that will launch season four. Uh, we are also going to be recording our like E three wrap up Patreon episode. Same deal with the Patreon. If backing it at all puts you in financial strain, do not. But backing it allows us to do more uh we're going to commit ourselves to doing a monthly patron only episode that uh will range in a variety of topics so please send us all feedback about that it's a very new venture for us so like we appreciate any thoughts or critiques or whatever you have to offer but it just made sense given what's all happening this month that like any three news wrap up just felt like you know different enough from the show's general formula that it could be a patron episode yeah i i think you know we we generally like to cover that kind of stuff uh yeah in in the summer but this year it just kind of got away from us and we actually didn't have plans to do it at all because of the Game Boy bonus and stuff like that. Right. Um, so this is just kind of our way of like uh, snaking that back into the, the plan. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited about that. Uh, for those of you who are patrons and are wondering how to get access to that episode, um, check your Patreon inbox soon or like your email inbox. Um, you should be receiving a link to the feed. I haven't set it up yet as of this recording, but I started working on it today. So that'll be around there. The plan at the moment. Um, and and I, I've been kind of like waffling back and forth on, on how I wanted to do this um, is that the patron feed will only be patron bonus episodes. It won't be like this feed plus patron bonus episodes. Um, so if that's like supremely annoying to have uh, two feeds that you're subscribed to, I guess let me know. But I thought it was like an easy way where like if somebody backs a Patreon later, they can just go through the library of bonus stuff. Um, yeah, very easily. That's a great idea. Um, yeah, but either way, let us know. Yeah, for sure. It'll have different branding. It'll look cool. You'll you'll be like, oh man, I, I love having this in my inbox. Um, so, yeah, I anyway. love having this in my inbox. <laughs> Thank God I got email. I love this. an email. Yeah, <laughs> Brendan, you're very good at what you do, so I'm sure it's gonna look beautiful. I tried. Anyway. I, I was about to do the Zelda thank you, but uh, thank you. Yeah, that, that one. Yeah. Oh. I probably could do that. I just don't have the like the gumption. You know. It's all about gumption. It really. is all about gumption. I think. I think. I think you have unbridled gumption. <laughs> Let's see. Ooh, I unlocked bridled gumption. Yeah. Uh, it costs three mana. And ew. <laughs> uh, okay, into the cast that online has all our links, baby. Uh, if you want to review us on Apple Podcasts, you can do that. I've seen a couple new reviews. Thank you so much for your kind words. Yeah. That's basically it. Uh, we've got our bonus at the end of the month. That will be a link to the past. It's exciting. And. That's all I got. I mean, it's a very busy month for us, but in a fun way. So I look forward to sharing this with all of you. Yeah, cool. Thank you all cool. so much for listening. My name is Brendan Bigley. You can find me on the internet at Brendan Bigley. I'm Stephen Hilger. You find me at unbridledgumption.org. <laughs> Squarespace.com slash unbridled backslash gumption. Dot gump. <laughs> um, anyway. <Goodbye>. <laughs> <laughs> Garbage. The online.